From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, CORE-T predicts... The question was, is CORE-T more accurate in magnitude and orientation of astigmatism than commonly used astigmatism measures such as simulated keratometry, or SIMK, manual keratometry, corneal wavefront... First this. The Combined Ophthalmic Symposium, COS, presented by ASCRS, ASOA, and ASORN, is moving from the Riverwalk to the Colorado River as this exciting meeting relocates from San Antonio to Austin. From August 21st to 23rd, COS educates your entire practice all in one weekend at the brand new JW Marriott Austin. If you've never been to Austin, it's a great place, consistently ranked as one of America's best cities to visit and attracting more than 21.5 million domestic visitors each year. Formerly known as the Ophthalmology Symposium, COS offers an ICD-10 course, resident and fellow programs, ASOA practice management, integrated practice optometrist, nurse and technician programs, as well as an excellent program for the practicing ophthalmologist. Registration is now open, but the early bird registration deadline is Wednesday, July 15, and the housing deadline is Wednesday, July 29. Go to cos.ascrs.org for more information to book housing and to register today. I remember the good old days when I was a resident and astigmatism was astigmatism. Now, astigmatism has become a relativistic measure in which the frame of reference determines the astigmatism orientation and magnitude. For example, are we talking about astigmatism from the vantage point of the apex of the cornea? Is this the same as astigmatism from the perspective of the visual axis or from the center of the pupil? Each of these landmarks is in a different location on the cornea, and astigmatism is relative to which of these frames of reference we choose. It would be nice to have a synthetic measure that would allow us to plan for astigmatic surgery and obtain the best clinical result. Noel Alpins has created such a synthetic measure he calls CORE-T, and about which he's published quite a few papers about its mathematics and clinical application. I'm delighted to have Noel as my guest today. We're going to be talking about new modifications to CORE-T, including total corneal refractive data. Before we discuss these modifications and their effects, let me ask you to describe CORE-T. Well, CORE-T is corneal topographic astigmatism, and it's presented as a magnitude and as a steep meridian. So we've now performed studies that have been published on both CORE-T anterior as well as CORE-T total, and uh, the CORE-T total also incorporates the posterior cornea, which is a very important parameter. So it should really be used, CORE-T should be used when you're planning either toric IOLs or uh, limbal relaxing incision procedures. And uh, to calculate the CORE-T, you need to have an ISORT software that interfaces with the um, leading topographers that are able to calculate it. From which data are CORE-T calculated? Well, CORE-T anterior is calculated directly from the data input of the topographer. And uh, it comes from all the valid axial curvature data that's been measured at the time of the um, acquisition when it was taken. Now, CORE-T total, which is the total corneal power, 
quickly. Um, we use that total corneal power calculated by the tomography system, which includes posterior corneal measures using, um, you know, Schleimflug technology. What were the results of employing strictly anterior corneal data to the reliability of corti in predicting refractive astigmatism? That's a really good question because this is the refractive astigmatism the cylinder that we used as the standard to measure all these measures against because this is what we use when we do eczema laser surgery. Um, the refractive cylinder is, and the refractive sphere, of course, are the parameters we use for the treatment. So core T anterior was actually both its magnitude uh, was closer to the refractive cylinder. Um, the mean in over 500 cases of patients who are looking at refractive surgery, so they all had clear lenses. Um, in the study, 0.78 was the mean refractive cylinder, and very close to that was 0.80 by uh, core T anterior. And when you look at manual keratometry, it was 0.91, which is a lot more. Simulated Ks was 0.98, which is even further away from the refractive cylinder. And corneal wavefront was 1.06, even further away. Uh, the other parameter we looked at, not just looking at the equivalence of the magnitudes, and of course the refractive cylinder was of the corneal plane, is just looking at the what we call the ORA or the ocular residual astigmatism, and we found core T, ocular residual astigmatism is a measure, a pictorial measure of the distance between the topographic astigmatism and the refractive cylinder. Once again, core T anterior was closer to, had a lower ORA, um, closer to the refractive cylinder looking at magnitude and um, meridian than uh, manual keratometry, simulated keratometry and corneal wavefront, which were much further away, each of them. And this was all statistically significant. Noel, what question did this study seek to answer? The question was, is core T more accurate in magnitude and orientation of astigmatism than commonly used astigmatism measures such as simulated keratometry or SIMK, manual keratometry, corneal wavefront, and uh, another um, automated value of paraxial curvature matching? Now, core T total, is it more accurate than core T anterior because the posterior corner has been included? And the answer to both these questions is yes. Core T anterior was better than SIM-K, manual K, corneal wavefront and paraxial curvature matching. Core T total was better than core T anterior, as you might expect, because it also includes the posterior cornea. Can I get you to describe the design of your study? Well... All the eyes were virginized, and they're all being assessed for eczema laser surgery, so uh, none of them had cataracts. Uh, they all had excellent corrected vision. The ORA parameter, which vectorially sees how far away the core T is from the refractive cylinder, and most important, the standard deviation of the ORA, which is really the variability of the ORA. That was also another important parameter. Uh, this is what we use to determine the most accurate corneal astigmatism measure on average all these different ways of measuring signalism. How is Corti calculated? Uh, on, on a uh, placido picture, you have to determine the astigmatism of different rings of data. Uh, for, and they have different radio from the radii from the corneal apex. And so we, just, we looked at the best spherocylindrical fit uh, for each of those rings. 
when you don't have rings, in other words, when you uh, uh, when you have just have data as like from a um, slime foot type of technology, uh, then you take the numbers all the way across the cornea and you obviously fit them into annular regions. And then once you've got that signalism for each of those rings, and each topographer has a different number of rings, um, we took a summated vector mean, in other words, each of these signalism values, each of these rings, um, which of them gave the lowest standard deviation of the ocular residual signalism, and core T was that. And so by taking a summated vector mean of all the rings compared to, the, say, the SIMK, for example, which only uses uh, the seventh ring on a Humphrey's Ice Atlas um, around the three millimetre zone, if there are any irregularities on any particular ring, you can get, you can get quite a lot of um, unusual data that's unreliable. But by taking an average of all the rings, we're able to um, average out any of the irregularities that might happen on one ring, and that's why uh, the results were so accurate. The total corneal values are so important, um, in particularly to try and get something which is consistent. You know, when you are doing, let's say, um, uh, a toric implant, um, you try and work out what is the corneal signalism of this eye and what meridian should be lining this implant up. And you look at manual keratometry, you look at simulated keratometry, you might look at the IO master or Lenstar, and they're all different. And so you're trying to work out in your head which one is the most relevant magnitude and which one is the most relevant um, meridian. And they can be five or eight degrees away from each other. And so that's quite critical when you place the implant. So core T gives you a number that is more reliable than all those. So you only have to look at one number now rather than looking at all these other numbers to try and work it out in your head because it's really quite a complex process to try and work out in your head which is the best magnitude, which is the best meridian. Uh, and so it's going to remove the concerns that, you know, how am I lining up this cathodic implant or how am I lining up my limbal relaxing decisions? Um, so accuracy is the key, especially when we're coming now to FEMPO cataract surgery with uh, FEMTO LRIs. We can apply them so accurately, but we don't want to be applying them so accurately to the wrong meridian. Now, what were your results? What were your findings? The key finding was that CORE-T total, that's when you incorporate the posterior cornea as well, was the most accurate and the most effective parameter for corneal signalism when planning either toric IOLs um, with any calculator um, or limbal relaxing incisions um, for femto LRIs or even manually per, um, performed LRIs. And uh, the reason so... Core T total uses the actual data exported from the tomography or topography machine system rather than just an estimate or a calculation that's used in the Baylor nomogram, for example, or in the Barrett formula, which is based on the Baylor nomogram. Um, these are kind of estimates of the posterior cornea, and they're incorporated into many different um, uh, calculators and formulae, whereas really... You don't really want to be estimating it and kind of calculating it. You want to be actually take the numbers that are actually being actually measured. And so um, it's just uh, a much more accurate way of doing it. So when we looked at um, the core anterior and the core T total, um, and we were using the Sirius uh, CSO tomographer, we found the ORA, which is the variability of the um, differences, to be better with the core T total than core T anterior. 
which is 0.30 rather than 0.32 diopters, and the uh, um, the mean magnitude rather than the variability was 0.53 rather than 0.64 diopters. So um, looking at 500 eyes in, in both groups, uh, this was statistically significant. Even when CORT-T is calculated from total corneal power, a small amount of residual astigmatic error persists. Some of this may be what we commonly term lenticular astigmatism, but you also make the point that some of the astigmatic discrepancy is the result of the relative alignment of the topography and manifest refractive data, the fact that they're not aligned in exactly the same place. Specifically, you point out that the topographic data is read about the apex of the cornea, whereas refraction is generally slightly nasal to the corneal apex and is closer to the center of the pupil. Is it that this refractive alignment discrepancy induces the equivalent of astigmatism of oblique incidence? And how important is this? I think that's an excellent point, and it is important. But it's particularly important in the in the zones, you know, within zero, one, or two millimeters of the center. And and we we were able to confirm this discrepancy in our study, so that the inner rings. Um, if you look at the paper on the um, core T anterior, where the inner rings displayed a higher ORA variability or standard deviation, since the separation between the corneal apex and the visual axis was proportionally much larger when you look at the inner rings, and so because the separation, yeah, yeah, so because the separation was more evident when looking at the smallest rings, the variability of the ORA actually went up for the zero, first, and second ring. And we found the most consistency between about the third and the twelfth ring. Now, as you get out to the thirteenth, the seventeenth ring, you start getting more variability again, but that's due to other factors such as tear film and eyelid, um, missing data from eyelids. And so we looked um, at each topography individually and were able to calculate how to work out core T anterior and core key total from each um, of those uh, topographers. Now, the thing about it is this, this so-called misalignment, uh, which is present in all eyes, uh, is only one of the factors um, for this refractive corneal difference. I think it's a lot of people get the misunderstanding that when you measure the total corneal power, then your refraction topographies are going to be exactly the same. And they're, they're not going to be exactly the same for the reasons you just said. Uh, but also lenticular astigmatism, which is a factor, but even post-implant um, surgery, there's still differences due to things such as retinal tilt um, and even percep the perceptual concept of what the patient's asking for. So when you ask the patient which is better, the first or the second, they may say the second, and you know that the first is closer to the corneal um, meridian of astigmatism. But that's what, they, that's what they're interpreting, that's what they're seeing. And so, therefore, um, uh, there's going to be differences just due to these non-optical components of perceptual astigmatism. And, of course, uh, the alignment of the corneal apex and the visual axis is, is one of those many factors. So we're always going to have differences between the two. And uh, this has a significant impact when you're doing either refractive surgery or toric uh, implant surgery. How machine-specific are CORE-T calculations? Well, um, our R&D department spent a lot of time calibrating each of the various topographers and tomographers, and, and these include the um, Humphrey Zeiss Atlas 9000 um, 
uh, topographer, uh, the Oculus Pentacam, uh, the CSO Sirius, uh, the NIDIC OPD3 scan, and uh, the Zima Galilee, which we're working on currently to, to complete. So different ring sets, that's radial, radii from the corneal apex for each system, um, each have different values. And so we have to calibrate each of them individually. And we spend a lot of time on each of those topographers, tomographers, to make sure that the data and the um, answers coming out of the eye sort are accurate. So they all have different number of measures. For example, the CSO has 30 rings and the Atlas, Humphrey's Ice Atlas has 22 rings. So you've got to find the consistency in the rings, like I mentioned, the Humphrey's Ice Atlas between the third and the twelfth ring, and each of them have their most consistent rings that we base the core T anterior and the core T total upon. Noel, you allude to the point that high ocular residual astigmatism, that's to say the difference between manifest astigmatism and the core T prediction, may indicate a more variable astigmatic result after torque intraocular lens implantation. Can I get you to flesh that point out for me? Yeah, and... Um... This is probably a little bit of a conundrum of toric implants is people wonder why they get a refractive surprise when, in fact, the operation was performed perfectly. So why why is does it happen and why is it always going to happen? So patients, let's say, look at a patient who has a high ORA, ocular residual stigmatism, say more than a doctor, before they even develop the cataract. Um they're also likely to have a high ORA after they have the cataract surgery when the crystalline natural lens of the eye has been removed. So if they have a pre-existing high ORA before they develop the cataract, uh, this can't actually be determined once they have the cataract lens perform, um, for, once the cataract lens cataract formed. So that we base naturally toric IOL planning on corneal astigmatism, and, and I think that should always remain the case. But if you can imagine, perhaps that patient who had a refractive cylinder different to a corneal cylinder 10 years before they had the cataract, they might have preferred to have that implant lined up with their refractive cylinder um, in a perfect world. But in the real world, because you're taking out the lenticular crystalline signalism, you can't actually do that. Uh, but still, they might still have that high IRA situation prevailing after the crystalline lens taken out. So even though the preferred refractive astigmatism axis and not the corneal astigmatism might have been the case, all we can do is, once the cataract is formed, is to line it up with the best corneal astigmatism we can. So you've got to advise the patient. It's a bit like refractive surgery, Josh. We have to advise the patient before the surgery that there might need to be adjustment postoperatively. Um, and this might be occurring in up to 10% of cases. So you might have to tell the patient after the surgery, we might need to rotate the implant, which is probably the simplest and least invasive. But, of course, if you do get a, a refractive surprise that involves magnitude of the implant as well as, um, as well as its orientation, you might need to exchange the implant. Or if you look at it in more detail, um, as we do on our website, which is a free calculator for refractive surprises, you might need to look at it doing LASIK surgery because rotation and exchange isn't going to work. So the consent with any patient undergoing cataract surgery, in particular toric IOLs, should include that about 10% of cases there's going to be a refractive surprise, no matter how perfect the surgical procedure is, and it's because of pre-existing ORA, 
ocular residual astigmatism. Noel, how do you use CORTI in the context of your own practice? Well, we use it um, very prevalently in our practice. Um, it's pretty much come through the whole practice, both in the refractive side of things and the cataract side of the practice. Um, so when we planning toric IOLs, uh, CORTI is used in the assort toric IOL calculator. And we just modified this in the last month so that you can enter CORT anterior, which means you might need to do a, a bail or nomogram type of adjustment to it. Or you can, if you're, uh, if you're able to calculate the CORT total in your topographer, you can enter that. And that changes the astigmatic value uh, that you're going to use to line up that implant in and also the, the power of that implant. Um, when we're planning limbal relaxing incisions, we're going to use CORT uh, when you, we do manual or femto LRI calculations for the surgery. And then another thing that we do that perhaps other practices mightn't do is that when we do eczema laser surgery, uh, we use vector planning, which means we use the refractive value and the corneal value to try and balance out or optimise the, the treatment according to both. And so when we do vector planning, we use the core T as the corneal value rather than SIMK or manual keratometry. The question comes up, how do you, how do you obtain core T uh, and how do you use it in practice? And so core T, to obtain it, uh, you need to have one of those topographers that I've mentioned. And then the ISORT is a software program that interfaces with these particular topographers and draws out the data, all the data, of the whole data of the whole eye, and crunches the numbers and then calculates the core T value. Um, that is the way to be able to determine core T anterior if you have uh, like an anterior topographer, Humphreys Ice Atlas, or a NIDAC OPD3, or if you have um, a serious CSO, if you have a Pentacam or a Galilei, you're going to be able to get the core T total value. So once you've got the core T, you've got a number there which represents the anterior cornea or the total cornea better than other, any other means. Then you can then go to the um, assort.com website and use the free calculator for toric IOL calculations or the free calculator for limbal relaxing students for femto LRIs and use that core T value to calculate the best implant that you can use for this eye and orientate it to the best position and calculate the best power of the sphere and the cylinder. And the, um, the assort toric calculator is now able to calculate, the, it's a generic calculation, whatever the implant you use. But what the, the assort free toric calculator does is it has a drop-down menu of every implant that's available in the world. So you don't have to go to eight different sites to work out which of eight different implants you want to use. You just go to the assort.com free calculator and all those implants and it calculates for you, for each of those implants, the target sphero cylinder that you're going to end up with because you're not going to get a, a zero, zero for all of these, for, for any eye all the time. It's going to be a sphero cylindrical value. And then you can pick out the implant that has the least or the lowest sphero cylinder to give this patient the best results. So you can use one calculation to determine which implant is the best for you and your patient. Noel, thank you so much. Uh, Josh, thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to be able to uh, contribute to your excellent program and, and podcast. And I hope that what we've discussed today has been able to help all your listeners and ASCRS members. Noel Alpins comes to us from New Vision Clinics in Cheltenham, Victoria, Australia. His paper 
corneal topographic astigmatism, CORT, to quantify total corneal astigmatism, appears in the March 2015 issue of the Journal of Refractive Surgery. Ask questions of Dr. Alpins or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.